most people in a business pretty much do the same thing the same way everyone else in that industry does it. And so at very most, it's an incremental gain if you're better, but you're going to be 30, 40% better or worse. Whereas if you borrow success approaches from outside your industry that none of your colleagues, none of your contemporaries, none of your, your competitors are even thinking about, you can blow it wide open and you could be explosively more successful with no more risk, no more capital, just doing everything better. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real, simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Today, we have a treat for you. We have the one, the only, Jay Abraham on Pivot Me. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you. Jay Abraham is the $21 billion man and the highest paid marketing consultant and the founder and CEO of the Abraham Group. Jay has spent his entire career fixing underperforming businesses. He has significantly increased the bottom line of over 10,000 clients in more than 1,000 industries worldwide. This man is a master, the expert that trains the expert, and has advised the biggest names in the business world. And today, he's sitting down with us. We will talk about why referral business is exponentially better than ad business, how there are really only three ways to grow your business, the tension between optimization and innovation, why breakthroughs come from outside your industry, and how changing the way you answer the phone can return 300%. Jay has dealt with virtually every type of business scenario, problem, or opportunity, and he will rock our world if you are focused on making a business better, then you need to hear this interview. Let's get into it. So excited to have you today on Pivot Me, Jay. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It sounds like it'll be fun. It will. It will. So, so Jay, we're going to get into some practical tips on how our listeners can, uh, can elevate their business and elevate their life. But before we get into that, you and I were talking about it um, offline, about the importance of mentors. And I've heard you speak before about how you've had these amazing mentors along the way. I'd love for you to talk about the importance of mentors. Uh, well, I can certainly talk to the importance of it. I've been so blessed, April, that I've had hundreds of people who ended up implicitly or explicitly mentoring me. Some of them were actual clients through osmosis and just absorbing their values, their character, their, you know, their methodology, ideology, uh, philosophy. But so here's the concept. Unless you are a force of nature, it is transactionally impossible that you would have the life experiences, the world experiences, the insight, the foresight, the hindsight, the spectrum of comprehensive of all that occurs in life and in business to optimize, maximize your business performance, 
your economic uh, achievement, your psychic returns, your health, wealth, happiness. And if you wish to significantly limit all you can get out of that duality called life and business, then you should just go it alone. (laughs) If you want to basically get the highest and best possible result from everything you do, everywhere you do it, every hour you spend, every opportunity available, every uh, interaction you have with people internally, vicariously through your marketing, in your personal life, then mentors are necessary. If you look at every great achiever in the world, with little exception, they had advisory groups, mentors, boards of directors, kitchen cabinets, and mastermind groups, brain trusts. Uh, The more you plug into diverse perspective, the more geometric and exponential you'll grow. And uh, you can grow to enormous uh, levels, but you can't do it on your own. And you can't do it limiting the scope of intake. I mean, reading a few books or, you know, or watching some free uh, online Video is certainly useful, but it's going to be very limited. You need somebody who will hold you to a higher standard. Yeah. Because you don't know what's possible. If you did, you theoretically would already be achieving it. Sure. So so when I think back at how you started and when you got in the room with these mentors, so obviously now you're this this marketing legend, you can get in the room with whoever you want, but there was a time when that probably wasn't the case. How did you get in the room with these mentors? How did you get them to agree to mentor you? Well, it was a process. In the beginning, I got married the first time. I've been married uh, multiple times, but I got married the first time at 18, and I had the needs of somebody uh, 40, and nobody cared. I had a couple of kids, and it was very difficult. And the only people that would give me opportunity were wildly interesting entrepreneurs who wouldn't give me a salary, but they would give me the chance to have a little desk and a phone and, and sort of eat what I killed. But uh, very fortuitously... I was attractive and attracted to entrepreneurs that were almost all focused on either filling voids that they saw existed in their market or opening up different uh, markets. And so through osmosis, that was the first thing that I, I got exposed to. I didn't even realize I was being taught that until later in the progression of my career. But then I started using, I jumped around April from one job or one opportunity because they weren't salary jobs to another to another, but they were never in the same industry. So after about 10 industries, which sometimes I would be involved in concurrently because I was not time denominated since I wasn't getting a salary, I could do as many things as I wanted every day. I looked at industries I was entering and I saw that they didn't have a clue how other industries marketed, they didn't understand other industry strategies, competitive approaches, access vehicles, distribution channels, marketing, selling approaches, bases, anything. And I was able to take pretty common elements from my past experiences, combine them into hybrids, and then apply them to the new industries I was in. And I went, and after doing that, sort of accidentally, I did it with IC Hot, I did it with Entrepreneur Magazine, did it with a couple other Uh, companies that became relatively known, I became fascinating enough to people that I got their attention, but then I did it uh, differently. I went and I found organizations that had influence with lots of uh, influential people. Mm -hmm. This one was back uh, when I was more your age, 
was Nightingale Conant, who at that point was the largest publisher of audio albums and books in the country. They did all the top business authors, sales authors, personal development authors, real estate investment authors, investing authors. And I was introduced by them to all their authors for whom I gave free consulting in exchange for them getting to know my work and applying it. And Mm -hmm. I asked if it worked, whatever I gave them, if they would endorse me. And I had 80 or 90 endorsements at that point. And I couldn't do that without first learning what they believed. So I got this immense compression, immersive training right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I helped Stephen Covey. I helped Tony Robbins. I helped Brian Tracy. I helped, I mean, just Jesus, the hundreds of different experts. Yeah. And they all had to educate me. So it was an immersive, explosive, ever compounding knowledge base that I got. But I would say for somebody that isn't so fortunate, you go out. And you, you know, and you have to, you can't just ask someone to mentor you. You've got to give them back some kind of a tangible or intangible compensation. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big problem. Everybody wants, will you mentor me? And they don't really say, well, I, here's the reason why you should. Here's what I either can give you or can give to the world to help fill your agenda. And I think sure. you've got to figure out. What is the consideration of the compensation you can exchange for a mentor? And if you're not at a high level where you're going to get, you know, Tony Robbins to mentor you, maybe you should get someone that's at least accessible to rent mm-hmm. and you cycle up the food chain. Sure. So what I heard was that you serve these people in exchange to get their education, then be aware of you and the value that you brought. And then you got these amazing endorsements out of this. That, that's exactly right. At one time, I think I had 80 percent of the prominent authors endorsing me. But I mean, you just got to start somewhere. And, and mm-hmm. relative, if you have no mentors, getting mentors in your community and in your industry and in your you know, in your geography, but you start doing it and, and, you, and you keep upgrading as you make progress. Yeah. But you, but you have to have gratitude and, and appreciation for the people that'll help you now, because if you're here and someday you want to be here, but you can find people that are here and they will help you, that's valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. great to get these people. Sure. If you don't have enough value exchange, then you have to be able to be, you know, just to, to, to think logically. Sure. The goal in life is to constantly grow. Mm-hmm. And if you're at this level and you can have someone get you to this level in a year, that's profound. Everything is a process. People think it's a one, you know, quick move. And it's not that way. It's a, it's a series of progressive steps. Thank you for that answer. When you said about everyone think it's a quick move, we think our lives and our businesses are influenced by this one dramatic step and it's these little tiny things. So in sitting down with all the business owners that you've had and all the people that you've consulted and it's just so many and with amazing success, talk to us about what they're doing well and talk to us about what they are doing wrong. Well, I mean, what they're doing well is for the most part, if they aren't jaded, is they have somewhat of passion for either the business they're in, the product, the service, the industry, and that's admirable. Mm -hmm. And 
a number of them have found methodologies that are profitable and work and keep working. A number of them, not all, have a sense of what I call it, a synthesis where they have their their team all feel like they're on a crusade and a higher level passionate purpose Mm. on behalf of their market. Some of them have product service offerings that are superior in both the performance of the product service and the additive value that they offer people. And that's impressive. What's unimpressive is most of them are underperforming and sub-optimizing their revenue system, their value system, their growth and developmental system. They are very limited in their aspirations. Many of them are stuck in any of a nine or 10 ways. They can be successfully stuck and not even know it, content with above market growth and not know that that's infinitesimal compared to what the opportunity or the market or or the marketing could be producing. They don't have a clue how to leverage up all the performance enhancers and multipliers and accelerators and elevators and catalyzers that are available to them. Uh, they, they fall into a, uh, a fallacy that they think that best practices are really the highest and best way to grow, whereas best practices, April, are nothing more than the best incremental growth methodology that that industry has discovered, not necessarily the highest and best performing, the safest, the most uh, high yielding. It's just the best things that that industry has discovered. So mm. it really has limitation. Uh, I can go on and on, but <laughs> there's a couple yeah. of So what would you say to a business owner that's listening to this and say, well, I feel like I am underperforming. I feel like we're not capitalizing on all the opportunity. Is there a, you know, a diagnostic tool they can use? How do they get clarity on where they're underperforming and what to do about it? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, we we have a 200 question uh, assessment that we disseminate to clients and we're clients, but I don't think most of your, I'm not demeaning them. I just don't think they would be uh, uh, economically appropriate for a client, but we go through mm-hmm. 200 different denominators and performance elements in a business. But if you don't know that, you'd start by looking at the fact that you have, everyone has a revenue system driving their business. A lot of them don't know all the components. We have something called revenue system optimization, and it's 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 pretty self-explanatory. We start questioning what is the revenue system you're operating by? What are all the factors and the elements that interconnect starting at the very beginning? Who are you targeting? Why are you targeting them? How are you targeting them? What are you offering them? What's the value prop? What's the inducement you're giving them to respond? When they respond, what do you do? What do mm-hmm. they we go through every element and question it. But uh, if I were working with all your clients or all your, your viewers, listeners, whatever the form you disseminate, I would divide their business into two parts. The first would be called maximizing what they're already doing. And the next would be multiplying alternative uh, ways to do it better. So you look at everything they're doing that's driving that revenue and, and the statistical probability, April, is they're optimizing 
probably no areas because they don't know how much more is possible. So whether it's how you target the audience, you could optimize it. How you attract them or connect with them, you can optimize. What you do at connection, you can optimize. What your offer is, you can optimize. How compelling it is, you can optimize. How you convert them, you can optimize. What you sell at the point of sale, you can optimize. Even if you only have one product or service, you can find other ways to monetize. What you do after they buy the first time, you can optimize. Mm -hmm. What you do if they don't buy, you can optimize. Yeah. I mean, so that's what you do first. And unfortunately, there's a little bit of a, a misnomer because everyone gets excited, and you should to some degree, about the algorithmic optimization capability of something like Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. But it's only a window and has nothing to do with the totality of your revenue system. So you can get uh, well, I don't know, today there's all this problem between iOS and, and all this stuff. But oh, yeah. You can get your, your Facebook to optimize either a lead or a buyer. Mm -hmm. But what it won't do, unless you do a lot of manual interpretation, is tell you what kind of buyers or leads convert the best, buy the longest, or the most profitable, buy different mm -hmm. categories of things. So that you're either over or under investing. We teach how to work on the geometry of a business. And we start with the three ways to grow a business and show people that there's three ways to grow any business that most people think there's a million. You either get more prospects and buyers, you convert them to more sales, you get the average sale higher and thus the profit. You get the average person buying more often, buying longer or having more utility value. And if you get all three of those working in conjunction, it's not linear. You grow geometric and we could show you that if you only increase, increase all three of those areas, 10% each, it's 33 and a third percent extended. If you double all those, it's 800% extended. And we show them how to do that. And we just take them through another and another and another application. But it's all very logical. People just aren't taught to think that way. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, you, you multiply it dramatically. I love this three ways to grow your business because a lot of, especially small business owners, just think, okay, you grow your business by going out and getting another client. And they never stop to go, no, 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 just sell more services to or products to your existing clients. And I think that's so overlooked. Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are and I'll give them to you. In my new Four Steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps. And you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now. And four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself. And I'll show you how to do it in four steps. So when you're working with these business owners, so they're not looking at the whole geometry like you were saying. And so you teach them, hey, here's the ways that you grow your business. Here's the way that you can... I mean, what'd you say? 800%. I mean, that's a dramatic, dramatic impact. Is it 
when 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 business owners are looking at at the way they're approaching their business, is it just they're not seeing all the ways to optimize it? Is it that they've fallen in love with their baby and they're just too focused on what they're doing and they're not looking outside of what they've been doing up until this point and saying, well, what more should we be doing? What more products or services should we be offering? What are they doing wrong? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things. We, we, we have 40 different categories of leverage of geometric growth, not unlike the three-way. But, but the first thing is most business owners tend to gravitate to one basic source of business, whether it's Facebook, whether it's just being in a shopping center and getting the traffic, whether it's word of mouth or referrals. And they don't understand that, that whatever that is, may or may not be the very best performing way to reach that market that they're trying to serve. But even if it is, anything goes wrong and that source will really get compromised. And even if it doesn't go wrong, if you don't know how to make it better, you're only going to get a mediocre yield. For example, this is probably true of a lot of your audience, uh, probably up to half of that audience, your audience gets 20 to 100% of their business right now from word of mouth or referrals. And most of it is erratic. It's episodic. It mm. comes, you know, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. But because I've worked in a thousand industries, I've found over a hundred strategies for generating no cost, high value, high profit, highly converted uh, referrals. And most people don't even have one. And yet a referral generated buyer buys quicker, spends more, uh, is more enjoyable, negotiates less, buys more often, buys more things, refers more people, costs nothing. And yet we spend all our time and money on ads, Facebook, where it's very low credibility, low conversion, very high cost, slow conversion. And I just try to show people how illogical their intuitive and, and herd following actions probably are and how limited. So if someone's list, this is brilliant. So if someone's listening right now and they're going, yes, the majority of my business is by referral. Now I'm realizing, whoops, I don't have a good referral process. We just, they come in, yay, they don't come in. I wonder why. So what, what do you say to someone who's going, I'm in that boat, Jay, what do I need to do next? Well, I mean, you have a hundred different options. The first is make referral generation a significant part of the business or a condition of doing business and feel like you deserve them, not grateful occasionally, because mm. if you have a business that provides a product or service that you uh, deploy, that you disseminate in a better, higher, more valuable way, you care more, you do more, you protect more, the product service delivers more, then you have a moral obligation to reach as many people as you can. And there's no way you're going to do it just through Facebook or Instagram or radio advertising. You need the help of like-minded people who hang with like-minded people to help mm -hmm. you help others. So you got to get a mental construct that you deserve it. Then you start putting into play referral generating strategies that are appropriate. Anytime there's a new breakthrough development, you can invite your existing buyers to experience either virtually or live, either new, new technology, new styles, and you can ask, you can invite them to bring a friend, whether it's online or off. You can have social holistic type events you know, uh, picnics, golfing, rent a movie theater. I got 9 million ways to do it. But mm -hmm. I mean, the point is most people don't even think, wow, 
I could really have a predictable control and, and multiply by orders of magnitude the number of no-cost, higher-profit referrals I bring in? I bet. Now, I, I when I think about this, I love this idea. When I think about this, do you tier your existing clients, meaning that people tend to refer people like them? Do you go through and say, here's our A-list? And do you double down on the efforts for the referral business from your, if you will, your your best clients? Well, if you think about it, it's pretty pragmatic, the question you ask. If you say, okay, let's look at where our referrals have been coming from for the last, take a window, six or 10 or 12 months. Oh, wow. It's the 80-20 rule. 20% of, oh, of Pareto. are referring 80%. If we help them in ways to guide them more, give them more tools, what would happen if they doubled? If they're already generating 80%, we doubled it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. But yeah, I mean, you use, I mean, most people do not use pragmatic, uh, consequential thinking to really leverage up the performance of their business. Is it because we pump too much emotion into it and we can't see it clearly anymore? I think it's because we stay herd like in our focus, we pretty much follow what our industry does. We study the stuff that we're interested in, not the stuff that maybe would be more impactful. Mm. We don't have a, it's, it's a rare person, April, that grasps how much more is going on and is possible from everything you do, everywhere you do it, everyone you do it for. I mean, I'm very blessed because I've I'm sort of an accidental tourist. When you work in a thousand industries, not businesses, you you get exposed and expanded to a level you can't believe seeing all that's possible, all the ways you can do something, how many ways you can do the same thing, how many different um, ways you can optimize, how many different ways you can, I mean, if you think about it, optimization and innovation are polar opposites. One is trying to get the very most out of what you're already doing. The other is trying to basically make what you're already doing obsolete, isn't it? Mm. So integrating the two is very powerful, but you have to be able to understand how to do it. The first thing we always say is, look, let's just maximize what you're already doing. Because, I mean, you can change. We've changed uh, the way somebody greets somebody when they walk in, when they're on the phone, when somebody calls out when they knock on a door uh, calling on somebody cold and gotten as much as a 300% improvement in the yield. We've changed a risk reversal and gotten a 50% improvement in the closes. We've added uh, a bonus to things and gotten 30 to 50% more sales. Each of these is separate. It's not aggregated. So each one is another 30% or another 50%. We've tested different prices and seen one price quintuple another on sales. So there's a lot people don't even know that it was with it, which is so relatively and, and, and reasonably within their grasp. They just have to go after it and, and start experimenting, testing, and uh, and exploring all that's possible because most people in a business pretty much do the same thing the same way everyone else in that industry does it. And so at very most, it's an incremental gain if you're better, but you're going to be 30, 40% better or worse. Whereas 
if you borrow success approaches from outside your industry that none of your colleagues, none of your contemporaries, none of your, your competitors are even thinking about, you can blow it wide open and you could be explosively more successful with no more risk or less or no more capital or less, no more resources or less, just doing everything better. I mean, explosively better, not incrementally better. We try to get everyone to operate in what we call the exponential zone because same amount of time, effort or less, same mm-hmm. amount of risk or less. Most people don't know how much more is possible. Bigger payoff, though. Same amount of work. I love this concept of borrowing outside of your industry because how many of us, when we're working on making our business better, we just say, okay, well, what else are we doing? What are what what are the other kind of standard practices in our industry? And let's borrow theirs. And you're turning this whole thing on the head saying, no, 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 look outside your industry, see what they're doing and pull some of those into what you're doing in your business. Well, if you look at where great breakthroughs come from, April, 90% of them do not come from within an industry. Fiber Mm -hmm. optics, which transform the entire uh, telecommunication industry did not come from telecommunication. It came from aerospace and was adapted. Uh, Federal Express borrowed the hub and spoke check clearing system that the Federal Reserve Bank used to get a check cleared early in the morning so it didn't bounce. Uh, And they applied it to and changed the whole industry. Uh, 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 Viagra came from heart medicine. Rogaine came from pimple, either the ballpoint pen or roll-on deodorant. One came from the other. You know, there's a famous uh, stroller company that borrowed the folding landing gear from airplanes. Wow. There's a a knee protection that the skateboard industry created for skateboarders that was borrowed by carpenters and roofers. Mm. The escalator was influenced by a methodology that mining used originally. There's a famous sushi chain that borrowed the concept of, of a baggage carousel. I mean, it's can go on and on. Wow. Um, the guy that started Massage Envy borrowed it from, he was in the gym business and now he's doing it in the chiropractic business. I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, that's where breakthroughs come from. Yeah. That's a, so, but you got to get out of your business to see those things. If you're just trying to work on the mechanics of your business, you'll never have those kind of breakthroughs. So I'm hearing you also have to create space in your day, in your schedule, in your quarterly review, whatever that looks like, to sit down and look at other industries and see how you can optimize your business based off of these breakthroughs in other industries. We call it funnel vision versus tunnel vision. And you have to become hopelessly curious, travel outside of your industry and extend yourself into places and areas that maybe you're not interested in because that's where the it's where the opportunity if, if you only stay in the areas all your colleagues are interested in you're not going to find anything more than incremental gains at that and if you find an incremental gain this is where it gets almost laughable people who teach tactics if you're fortunate enough to learn them early in the game when they're disruptive you will have a disproportionate benefit for a short period of time. Hmm. But once the word gets out, it's not going to be, it's not being shared just with you. It's shared with everybody, whether it's being sold or whether it's publicly disseminated in journal or, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden it becomes a marginalized, you know, it's, it's becomes a standard operating procedure and you've got to find the next and the next. And it's just very arduous and thankless and interminable process if you do it internally from the industry. 
Yeah. So just a few wrap up questions. So when for our audience, say someone who's running, you know, a $10 million business and they know they're capable of more. Now they're, they're busy, but they think, okay, I can really scale this. I can get to 20, 25 million. Um, but they keep having a hard time closing that gap. What would you say to someone like that who's listening today? Well, I would say that if you have the belief, you can, you can probably grow the business. Uh, for example, I have a friend who's one of the top SEO guys, and he has 50 different ways to make your organic search better. And most people probably don't use one of them. So the, the question is this, you look at all the factors, forces, elements, and drivers of your revenue. Let's start with revenue, because that's all I work on, and mindset and positioning. And you, and you, you divide and conquer, you say, okay, can we target a more responsive audience? Okay, can we use a, a better vehicle? Okay, can we make a better proposition to initiate whatever it is, a first contact if it's a lead or an actual transaction? What else can we do at the point of sale to make it more profitable? If we don't have a lot of different products and services, how can we partner with ones that do so we can make every transaction and every acquisition of a buyer many times more profitable, boom. How many other ways can we reach our, our audience? Okay, how many other, and you start, how many partners could we set up? What do people buy before, during, after uh, our product? Can we make a, a partnership with those people or should we sell those products or should we acquire that kind of a business or start that kind of, and you ask a lot of cool questions that give you very, clarified answers. And then before you risk a lot, you experimentally, conservatively test and see if your assumption is reasonable. Hmm. Test, metrics, yeah. systems, all of the things that sometimes we do. We It's the passion that gets us to create the business or to buy the business and gets us to show up every day or every early morning. But ultimately, what I'm hearing is we have to be pragmatic in our approach look at the numbers and face the reality of what those are and then make educated decisions instead of just only passionate decisions. Very well, well summarized. Thank you. So one follow-up question, but before I go there, Jay, where is the best place for someone to connect with you? I mean, if it's somebody who, there's, there's two best places. I mean, they can go on to our website. We give away uh, probably more generously, really valuable resources and don't even ask that you absolutely give us an opt-in and none of them sell anything. You can go to abraham.com if you're smaller. You can go to Abraham University if you're smaller and want to buy stuff. Uh, if you're large enough, you can contact me at jay at abraham.com. But, but I would caution that um, the, the private services I do are pretty expensive. And the, and the, the group trainings we do are small exclusive and you know they start at five grand and they go up so i mean that's why we gift a lot of things because many people can't afford me personally but we do have some modest stuff if they're smaller yeah that's, that's generous that you you gift that too that's amazing gives access to people that maybe wouldn't otherwise have that yeah and we also have a podcast that it doesn't sell anything there's no advertisers it's called uh, the ultimate entrepreneur i think there's three or four hundred episodes on it we just do it we usually put all our keynotes and all the interviews like yourself we'll put on it if they're good and we just share a lot of perspectives so you know my goal is to help everybody be better and be more preeminent in what they do and we aren't covetous it's not all about me we want to basically yeah. help everybody have access to as much 
opportunity to contribute at a higher level and be rewarded for it as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So Jay, if you could tell the world one thing, what would that be? Jeez, I would say that your purpose in business and life is to, first of all, make people better off because you were in their lives for any amount of time, short or long. And then secondly, you're rewarded in this world in both your personal life and your business in direct proportion to the problems you solve and the opportunities you make possible for others. And if you're not making a lot of opportunities possible or solving a lot of problems, you should rethink you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it, where you're doing it, the way you're doing it, neither change or get into a different either mindset or business or life, you know, philosophy to do it because you'll never win unless you do that. And you'll also never win the game you're playing unless you know the rules and you play, you know, not to just be a, a voyeur up in the stands, but to be active on the field and be a starter. Yes. Get in the arena. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Jay, for your insight, your expertise. We're honored to have you on Pivot Me and thank you for for what you did today. You're very welcome. I hope it helped. It did. Breakthroughs come from outside your industry. Man, and this is coming from an expert who's worked in a thousand industries. Jay has shared some amazing insights today. Now let's recap on a few points. Three ways to grow a business. Number one, increase the number of clients you have, turn more more prospects into paying customers. Number two, increase the average transaction value. Encourage each client to buy more. And number three, increase the frequency that the average client buys from you. So get each customer essentially to buy more often. He also laid out why referrals are so much richer than other sources of leads. They buy quicker, they spend more, they're more enjoyable to work with, they negotiate less with you. In short, clients that you like will refer you other clients that you like and they will like you too and cost less. Lastly, I want to touch on something Jay said in the referral generation process. So when we were talking about that, this was very, very, very powerful. He said that you should get referrals, but you should also know that you deserve referrals. Deserve. That's a tricky word for many. We struggle with that. We often frame referrals as a bonus and an extra. That's nice to have. We are grateful for them. But what if we are grateful, but also expect them? Why? Because we are providing an amazing product to our clients. And if we're not, we should refine our product. But if we're out there kicking butt in the industry, then as Jay says, we have a moral obligation to reach as many people as possible. So if you're struggling with this idea, be sure you heard him say this phrase, you need to get a moral construct that you deserve it. Because when we believe we deserve something, we will conduct ourselves differently. We will deliver at a higher level. We will raise our standards and get more business because we act like a winner, not someone begging for the business. Knock your client's socks off, serve them well, take care of them, and they will take care of you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. 
Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.